G'day, Potters. Welcome to the Deep Dive. Curls, keep the microwave off. Hopefully you didn't have the microwave on too often there on Saturday night when you were out and about dressed as Freddie Mercury. How'd you go Saturday night? There's um, video footage circling of me standing on a chair in the middle of the dance floor doing a magnificent rendition of Bohemian Rhapsody that the crowd <laughs> was completely engrossed in and engaging in. What about, most importantly, what about Mrs. Curly? She was um, <laughs> home, oblivious to it all, asleep. So I was able to sneak in under the radar. Anyway. Talking to you? Oh, yeah, we haven't started. What day is it? Monday afternoon. Yeah, Monday. <laughs> the time, yeah. <laughs> Did you watch uh, the last thing at Toowoomba, which you took three bucks, three dollars ten about, declared on the stream, started dollar seventy five and and finished off a really strong day for the team. Did you watch it? And either way, well done. Um, I watched the replay. It was glorious. It was absolutely glorious. He took the coffin, seas parted. Grace yeah. Caller got excited about this thing, like coming for it. Chippy. And he and you're like, it's not, it's not going to get near us. It was no. beautiful. Absolutely glorious. Peter, take us away. Yes, indeed, Jack Dickens. It's a pleasure to welcome back to the show data guru, Josh Cadillac Kavanagh. JKC, how are you going? Pretty good. Just uh, another day in lovely Melbourne here in lockdown. Well, so indeed. Cannot, cannot, cannot complain. I think we've got, uh, we've got peak data for the uh, nine cases we had today. So looking good on the punning form uh, DHSS data. <laughs> Nine links above standard for our cases today. So sorry. What was the what was, what was the sweet spot that you're expecting for today's data? Uh, I was hoping zero <laughs> to get out of this mess by Thursday, but it looks like we'll be in for another week. It's a long carnival, the uh, the old uh, Andrews Carnival. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll get there eventually, I'm sure. But we'll start at. Eagle Farm, because, Kels, there was some good wagering data. There was some good sectional data as well. We're starting off in race one with incentivizers, which was visually impressive. Was it data impressive? Indeed. Um, settled three wide, no cover midfield, and decided to push forward from the 1,200 and roll to the top. I, there, was, there was... So the, the next closest horse in this race, just what I'm looking at, was 96,000 matched on the fair. Mm-hmm. There was 340,000 matched on this horse. It was it, <laughs> it was 460 in from 9am. Yeah. Um, the, writing, yeah. the writing was on the wall. This thing's going to do something pretty big. Yeah, it was. And I'll take, I'll, I'll probably start with my pre-race analysis. And uh, this horse had come through heats of the Provincial Stayers Championship which is a final in two weeks' time at Ipswich on Ipswich Cup Day, worth twice as much as what this race was worth to the winner or thereabouts. So I sort of thought, I'll just wait and see what the betting does here before I, I took a small position on Masaf, and I thought, I'll just wait and see what the betting does incentivize because this could easily just snag, poke along out the back and, and just, you know, produce late and sort of find the line and, and get ready for two weeks' time and not cop a weight penalty or a ratings increase. 460 to $3.00 suggested otherwise and uh and they wrote it he wrote it accordingly which was the first the betting move was the, f- the first thing the ride was the second thing um you know normally a horse that sort of gets back 
um, as I said, three wide, no cover, then worked forward to lead. Um, took the front at the 1200 and proceeded to run its last thousand in 58.72 and run the fastest last 200 of the meeting. So it having was, said uh, that, we're headed towards the double stake, the double prize money race in two weeks, three weeks. Interesting the moral now? No, I'd suggest Cox Plate now. Yeah. Uh, no, the Ipswich Cup's on the same day, so um, so um, so why not go to the? So you know, there's a chance it could go there. Is what I'm saying. You got the provincial stay as final, which it had qualified for, which was sixty odd thousand to the winner, and you got a hundred thousand dollar to the winner Ipswich Cup on the same day. So we'll see where he fits, but um, nothing behind him will ever beat him. It was a really nice ride, I thought too. If you look at the data. Mm. Just increased like from the thousand. Slowest, like the slowest was the. It slowed down the last two hundred, but it had won the race. Yeah, it was. Um, it was dominant. Dominant in every way. It was a dominant. Now, it's a betting stay. Like they bet. Um, you, you'd rather be on them when they're firming than not. Um, so it was just a dominant display from all angles there on the data, on the weight, on the on track data, the, the wagering data, and the ride. It all lined up beautifully. Mm. Really Which sure. was always that easy. Mm. Where do you want to head now? Race eight or race five? Oh, well, we're talking winners. We'll probably just go to race eight, then we'll skip back. Um, decent go, this. 480 into 280 on the fixed. Um, I think there's a, a fair discrepancy in, in match, uh, dollars matched on the fair as well. It's about the one at UA. 487,000 matched. Next best, 160 bargain. Not a lot I, of thought was, I thought it was 880,000 there on the 13 Ruru, bossy, but no, it's just 884 bucks. <laughs> Wasn't a lot of action around the Uncle Chris runners, was there? Like Grayson Harmony was a drifter. Um, the interesting one for me on the watching the market was um, Easy Far was as short as $10. Um, at 11 o'clock race morning. It started uh, $28 on the fair. Um, the one that we identified from the preview was uh, Charm Star of the Waller Horse. It might be able to improve having it, you know, he, this was this was its second run for, for the stable from New Zealand. Ran well in running second, but it was a one-act affair, really. This thing just sat back, followed. Even Hugh said in the post-race that he followed, he was following the wrong horse. So he had to wait a little bit longer than what he would have liked, but dominant, uh, strong strong betting move, strong win. It, it, once again, lined up beautifully. Well, I thought despite following the wrong horse, it was a really good ride again. He knew what he had under him. I think that's mm. what it comes down to. Yep. He knew he was on the. He thought he was on the superior horse, and he was right. Um, didn't panic to try and get off that horse's back either. You know, like just let her. Um, How good do you think this horse is? What's its level? Um, Two hours. You, know, you can easily get. You can easily get sort of carried away. Um, like it was a pretty low, not low win, but like it was it was dominant. But the rest, there's so many disappointing efforts behind it. 
I think it's, it's typical of like the week before to the eye and to the, the the brand of the race, like a Group One, and you, you watch it on, on Channel win. Seven. It's it's a big win, a great ride. This horse might be pretty good. It's gapped them. It's run a five point seven above the average, average punting form benchmark figures, which is like. So if you flick over, we're going to do it in depth. But race one, three, six, all but two races at Flemington. That all but three races at Flemington have run a bigger figure. Honest, I mean, it was just a winter meeting at Flemington. Do we think it'll come down for the spring in Melbourne? Possibly four-year-old filly and maybe try for a Caulfield Cup. Just get a spot. Yeah, I, I, I think they'll. Um, it's the the yard to, to to be ambitious with, and mm. but you'd want to sort of see it do more than it's done. But it, at the same time, it can't run a bigger figure than it has run here, with the race shape and the the way it's ridden. No, look, it's so tempo, slowly run race. Done all it had to do on the day, really. So it's most of the Aussie Oaks. Mm. Mm. I'm not really, I'm not, you know, whatever, see what, like you say, it runs in a race with a hotter tempo and it could run a bigger figure for sure. Race five, Baller wins, improves. Waller couldn't get this horse to go. Now it's going. How is this happening? Why is this happening? And how good can this horse get? Because it's run the biggest figure of the day, Baller. A 9.5 above the all average. It looks a genuine like figure to me because it's running like to the 600 figures strong and home from the 600 figures strong. Sometimes yeah. you'll see like a huge to the 600 that amplifies the overall. This looks pretty yeah. genuine. Yeah, no, no fluke. Um, what's he ran his last thousand in 56 and a half? Um, Seventh fastest last four and two of the day. Uh, I've got him. Well, the punning form data has him running a length off his personal best, which was when he won a three-year-old open handicap at Rose Hill um, when the horse was going super. So he's obviously always had this ability. Um, and I think, uh, you know, this is the way the race panned out. Splintex was uh, a little bit of a head-scratcher when I first um, looked at the review because the money was there, Splintex. It was, um, it was a bit of a drifter throughout the morning. But then uh, come truth time, it yeah. was pretty strong. Yeah. Uh, figures are there to figures are there to suggest that's not figures. The wagering data, if you've got it there, Jack, is pretty strong as well. That's the it's the main horse that the, the business was done on for sure. Um, like you said though, it was sort of a differing difference of opinion early on, and then late it's just one way. Mm. Big steamer, and it's then it's run eighth of nine. What does that mean? Well, what does it all mean? Uh, Post race stewards stewards questioned the the performance. Jockey said disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, why do they write that? I know. Yeah, like they're too busy to put shoe reports in for trials, but they want to write. But they make time to write that shit. I actually thought it went pretty good, mate. They were just too good for us today. So if you just look at the data, Splintex coming out of the Eduardo run, um, out of the Doom of 10,000, that day in the 10,000, the race went negative 11.3, obviously Eduardo leading. Splintex had gate 
had a good uh, gate one, could have either led or box seated or, you know, just controlled the tempo. So he chased Eduardo in negative 9.4 himself last time. Today, uh, Saturday, he led and went out negative 8.5. So what um, does that mean? Well, look, he's gone too quick. He's gone fast, which I thought – I just sort of didn't pick that because it's – well, there's only nine in the race. There was no, there was no leader, but he gave it a dig and, you know, kept running and – you know, obviously he's got home in negative, uh, sorry, 10 lengths above, which is, you know, as bad as he could go going through the historical planning form data. He's handled he's handled a good tempo before too. Yeah. Was it was it a disadvantage on Saturday to be rails and run again? They were still coming away from the fence. Um, Just looking at the wides like this race, look you at see the... ball has gone from lane two to lane one to, to win. Yeah, he but, cut the corner but, on it, but, went back to the inside and then come but off you've in the got... straight. Scalapini, Varda, and Splintex all rails in run and run like back half of this race. But they're all they're all definitely off the fence. Yeah, yeah. Any other key just, takeaways from from this meeting at Eagle Farm? Well, not really. Um, I'm still trying to work out how a couple of races ended the way they did, but um, a bit of the tail. It's just similar to last week, last week, really. A lot of questions that it's hard to find answers for. Um, didn't bet a lot. I think we yeah. bet, I think you I had three bets, but I won. You won. Um, you dressed up as Freddie, you survived, you've woken up, you, you're, you're with us still. We're grateful for that. And uh, <laughs> hopefully you can sort it out with Mrs. Kells by sort of Wednesday so you can get your head sweet to keep betting. No, I'm actually having a uh, wisdom tooth removed tomorrow morning, Ooh. so I'll be right be talking to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually looking forward to getting it pulled out. The ice wisdom cream tooth. and soup diet. How many people get a wisdom tooth done at all in their 40s? Not oh. many, I wouldn't have thought. Um, anyway, I anticipate I'm going to be dumber for the experience. <gasps> uh, yeah, that was a pretty ho-hum sort of meeting <laughs> once again. Um see what happens this week it's um thank god the stradbrokes on this week because it's and it's over i <laughs> know oh, we've got the tats tiara um we've got the tats tiara so anyway carnival's coming to an end the betting continues regardless all right let's head to flemington peter yeah absolutely what'd you think overall rails in run i thought, I thought rails and run was a decent disadvantage and I think you can sort of reward horses that were rails and run if they ran a solid race. Josh, what do you think? Uh, just looking at some of the uh, the lanes data, thanks to punning form, I think rails and run is okay, but rails and straight, far worse. Um, there was one, one second place getter that basically out of all the first two in – uh, in finishing order, there was one second place getter that was rails in run in the straight, uh, which was wishful thinking. Um, probably a strong form race, so you probably you might want to give some merit to that sort of a run. But everything else was was definitely off the rail. There was nothing actually that was sitting yeah, in the long, second second lane. something when I arrived. Yep, that was a leader as well though. So Yulong uh, Yulong was yeah, you know that was I thought it was blessed in yeah. in its run. Um, yeah. 
very slow pace, but you know, it, it did enough to get there. Um, but yeah, there was a few, there was a few that sat um, on the rail in run for me and did okay. Um, Jay Perry was one of them. Um, loves the track and distance, I think. Uh, but yeah, let's get get more into the data. Yeah, the so races. let's start with race four in Argentia for the Friedman team. Zara was on board. Slow tempo for the class. What are you looking at here, Dickens, for this debutant? What did you think? What did you make of it on the table? Uh, I think it's really, really impressive. I think it was winning from about the 700. Uh, I think there's a lesson in this for anyone who's like, sort of takes their Victorian form seriously and does it themselves. Yeah, it's, they are some of the biggest sneaks in trials. The trial and jump out game in Victoria is a disgrace and a joke. Like how we can have NBLs, which is a great thing, but still not have like, legitimate trials is fucking beyond me. Like you, you get car sickness watching them trial at Packenham. It's disgraceful. However, the Freeman camp is very, very, very hard to read. Okay, so in what sense? Are they just like visually, are they, they look, quiet or they, are they just disappointing? They, or they, 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 If you didn't know who, who trained them, you go, oh, that's no good. That's no good. And, and that's how I read this trial. But I just say, no good, watch market. Whereas, say, uh, Hawks, Hawks, I just say, no good. Like, Did... It can't be backed. And then this thing was really, it's like they really wanted to be with this horse. There wasn't a heap of, like, a stack of money matched this race. The, the most money was on Sioni, and, and that's that was the horse they probably wanted the most. But there was a lot of money for this horse. So, and again, p- potentially, like, we were... I don't think we were doing the... Um, we, we weren't doing the stream by now, but I think we were on the Zoom together. Yeah, yeah. And I, I said... I, I, I probably said this thing was winning so early to you guys because of what all I've just said. Like, I, I'm... Paranoid about them out of trials. I've seen the money come. Mark Zaris is sitting on it. It looked like he had a stack of pony. He did. Uh, but I was I was more focused on this horse than others. Um, I think you can forgive commands, whatever it's called, number one. Uh, I didn't like what D-Moore did to it at the start, but it was too bad to be true at the same time. Um, I think you can trust that horse a little bit. I think you can trust this race a little bit. Um Geez, I wish like we took 380 uh, Cioni to run to win at Geelong on the Sunday. <laughs> yeah, wish I wish yeah. I went there. Like it started shorter here to win at Flemington. <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, but yeah, I, I quite like the race. I think it'd be a decent form race, and I reckon Argentia could be a really really good horse. Maybe I haven't listened to anything yet or asked around, but maybe like a Guinea sort of horse. Like this is this. We got a question about it on Twitter. This is the fastest last two hundred meters of the day. Whilst they've walked early, it's still it's his first ever start. It's pretty strong. What what do you make of that, Josh? Uh, yeah, I, with that question on Twitter, it's a good question. I sort of like to look at uh, being deep in the in the data. I like to look at sort of what first starters do as two year olds. Looking at what first starters on average do as a two year old at Flemington. Uh, on the punting form data, it's about negative 1.5 lengths above benchmark on the all punting form data. Now, this horse has gone negative uh, four, so approximately two and a half lengths better. So that's that sets a pretty good standard for, for sort of how good this horse is. Um, obviously, being being at Flemington, that, that data is definitely driven up a bit, but 
I think it's got a bit of talent, a lot of talent. It's sectionals late with the super. It's by the super, super sire Frankel, which we love. Frankel's are flying in Australia at the moment. And I think I'm with Jack. It could be heading for a guineas. Uh, they sort of love the mile. Um, I also saw, I think it's in a golden rose market potentially. Um, so yeah, just, it'll, it'll definitely get further with its breeding too. Oh, that's, that's a good point. eh? that is a good point. Could be doing the old old Kirk double. Yeah. I like that. That thing's at stud. Wow. Did it even win a race? Not in the last prep, I don't think. Yeah, won the court. Wasn't the Caulfield Guineas when Pike won for us? That, that was in spring. Race. I'm talking about autumn. I just I remember. Ra- I don't remember it racing again. Remember it in won Bolt? up the fence. At yeah, the yeah. Josh yeah. Was I was, I was, I was hitting the wrong, I was hitting the wrong horse. <laughs> and I looked at my screen and I expected school. I thought I could retire. And then I looked at my screen and I hit the wrong, the wrong horse. Next minute, I'm on job seeker and job keeper. <laughs> Dangerous. It's. Uh, I didn't realise um, it was such. It's such a blue blood. Yeah. It's Argentia. Yeah, it's a nice horse. P- it? Pity that. Pity that Invincible Caviar was in the race. We might have heard about it. Otherwise, <laughs> <laughs> like this is a proper. Aren't they, aren't they a blessing though? Those caviars. We should. Have run, we should have run a um, a punting form like system check and just laying, just gapping everything for her. And how good's moods when he gets like asked about him? He goes. He's on the radio saying, you know. Is this going to be, you know, like the, you know, like the mother and all that? And then next thing he goes, yeah, it's the same colour. That's about it, and that's all he gives. So that's great. <laughs> Sets the standards. Sound bites. Thanks, Moose. Cheers. Anyway, it's great narrative for the uh, people that promote the sport. Yeah, and, and bottom line is, though, this this Argentia is a horse. I think we're, we're sort of agreeing. You can stamp as a pretty good horse. Follow it. I'm backing it in every mile race with any pre-race fixed odds available now. Good. Is, 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 it, you. is that even a thing? <laughs> yeah, it's $2.50 it's $2. on Lilybet to win a group one over a mile. <laughs> Back it for the Doncaster in 2025. <laughs> yeah, I want to take Argentia to win a Doncaster by 225. <laughs> I think Rory McIlroy's old man did a bet like that, eh? In fact, his son to win the uh, yeah. British British Open by a certain amount of year, like by whatever year, yeah. and collected. <sighs> anyway, <Right to> the <laughs> Atlas. Okay, fresh. Uh, let's talk about race eight with Curran. Oh, the figure of the day. Oh, what has happened here? Yeah. How didn't we know about it? Because someone else did. This thing is absolutely steamed completely steamed I don't know how much was matched but it was a fuckload and it was so strong and I just felt I felt sick before it jumped because I I just can't find this horse it's, it's having its seventh start essentially in its first ever prep and it's, and it's exploded I just some training performance um, goes good this kid when he gets them right like gets the most out of him can make some tactical errors, but they all can. He's just a jockey. So it was a great ride. It's a big performance. Someone knew it was coming, and it was it was very very well backed. Um, it's uh, the first line, is it? Yeah, six dollars at nine a.m. Looks like. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, mate, this is a complete steam. <sighs> like, it's just a fucking hill of money. Um, another horse, what, I want, what did I want to say here? I thought that there was some merit to the Big Easy's run. But now, I backed it, FYI. So, you know, you've got a bit of, like, bias there. But I thought he had a fair bit of pony and wasn't able to get that momentum there, which, if you look at the data, the way I read that data, you need a momentum in this race from the sort of, like, 600 to the, to the 200, especially. And we didn't get any. Uh, I thought the Big Easy went pretty good. I think Piney River was like a bit of a flash run, be over bet next start, but it was a good performance. Can we um, just go back to Curran for a second? I was going to ask this before you moved on. Um, is this one for the? Was this one for the SP profilers? The start before it ran second to Ayrton when it was seven fifty uh, eight, touched eight, then SP five. For sure, yes. Yeah, it was one hundred percent. It's coming out of the right race. Definitely. Mm. Right, and if you if you open up that race on your pony form, I like to right click on the race name. So you go the the Darren Getty handicap, right click, open a new tab, right? I get up the the key data view. I can look at all these horses' performances. So the next yep. start from this Anton race, Anton's improved or just gone backwards, but runs second. Curran's improved by five lengths and one. The Big Easy has improved by six lengths and runs second. And then uh, Snickerdoodle Dandies run second and then one. And the other horse, Yulon Command, has run fourth but improved dramatically. So it's a red-hot form race. Mm. Great, it all makes sense, the... but just seventh start, first prep, yeah. just was something I couldn't get over. And I... What do you think about that, Curls? How would you handle seventh start, first prep? Wow. Don't care. Do care. There was that little trial, wasn't there? Yeah, so it's, it's it's had a lot of, you know, it's had two had two two minor placings at Sandown, and then it goes and has a little trial, and comes back and goes bang bang. Um, yeah, it's an improved lightly race, and they can horses can improve. That's all you can put it down to. Yep. Um, yeah. You know, Kieran and David to Lynn and Leone. I don't know what that means. Horses do the talking for it. They have also spaced the runs as well. It's not as if they've all been consecutively. So it's had like two one-month breaks in, in the prep. Yeah. So it's had a couple of freshen-ups. So. A couple of freshens, yeah. Yeah, there's definitely something in that, isn't there? Yeah. Like, especially the, the, the Still. least like fashionable stables are more practical with their preparations, whereas the bigger operations is like a standard prep that we'd understand. Go away, have a spell. Go to the breaker, not the breaker. The we go to this farm for a spell. We go to the pre-trainer here. Comes back into work. Whereas these guys do it all themselves and space it. Yeah, there's definitely something in that. But um, like even the SP staff curls, like the big easy SP ten versus that five against Ayrton, you're getting the same sort of price here. Mm. It was interesting in its last start. It's flux after nine a.m. eight fifty into six forty against Ayrton. It's run. It's run better that on the punting form relative gain data. Um, in its late sections of that race too. So there's some definite merit there. I think it's just, a, as we know, you know, Etten forms, you know, we, we still don't know about Etten, but I'm pretty sure Etten's form is good enough to win another three-year-old, you know, open-handed yeah. out of Flemington yeah. but in, the, yeah. in the winter too, you know, there's not much talent. Yeah. And but one of the sort of, sorry, Pete, one of the takeaways yeah. I've taken is if, if I don't like a stage of prep sort of or a setup, 
but I really like everything else, which is this this current, and then the market just starts steaming, then just forget yeah. that, that one factor that's that's in your head because you know there's enough there's enough market intelligence saying don't worry the horse is going well, and it's also a grey up because we couldn't be on course. Yeah, yeah, that that's it's probably like, the case. It's like the it? peak yeah. horse where like if I was there or Peter was there, I would have said like we could back this horse. We need to make sure it's sweet. Yeah. And I suppose the market did that for us. What were you going to say, Peter? Oh, I was just going to say, as Josh alluded to, it had that market support against Ayrton. And although it you know, has run within 1.3 lengths, it's completely gapped third, um, which is something I quite like. If I, if I rate the winner, if I like what the winner's done and second is gapped third, I'm happy to follow second wherever it goes next start. Yeah, it was $420,000 matched on this horse. Yeah. Unbelievable. No, well, we've seen a couple of um, young horses on the up. And sure. now the other horse that was ultra impressive on the card, Jay Dickens, ran the 10th fastest last 200 of the meeting, over 2,000 metres, off a fast tempo, Luna Flare. Oh, God fucking bless this thing, eh? What an emotional rollercoaster oh, this race was. <laughs> <laughs> watching the stream. <laughs> uh, what about the bloke, too, trying to get stuck into me for, for bagging the ride? I didn't like the ride. I was experimenting to see what the general public would think of the ride post-race. I was getting, like, called out for bagging the ride and then putting in... It's a poll. It's not, I'm not giving them one through four. I'm saying, mm. what do you guys think? Anyway, um... I, I I think he wins by further if he just blends wider. But um, he got the job done, Michael, and I, I'm greatly appreciative that he did. Um, they make split-second decisions. Like I'm not saying, no, fuck you, Michael. I'm just saying, oh, I would have preferred he went outside and was less stress involved. <laughs> I thought he had a stack of pony. And he did. He did. It's a PB, this horse. Um it's it's absolutely flying this preparation. So it ran a PB first up, but it had run figures before that showed it's got some ability when right. But the way like when I scan through its pony form page, I can my gut feel is this is a horse with some talent but some issues because it doesn't sort of put them together. And you look at this preparation and it's just delivering the goods. It's run a ten point three, then a four point six, but that four point six is basically an outstanding close off a walking early tempo. And we, we watched that race and it sort of like just needed for, if the race went for another 100 metres, it would have won. And then this race had gone a genuine tempo to the to the 600 and its platform has, has shone, shone through. And God bless it. I think it can go on with it too. Trainer's going all right this uh, season as well. G-Beg. Yeah. What do you think, Josh? Uh, yeah, it was super. It was just how to stack it. Watching the replay back, it was just uh, God. It was it was hard for him to hold it. You know, the twelve hundred, the thousand. It was. And, uh, and and when you look at the data for how solidly they were going. Yeah. It's a big. Yeah, it's a, it's a big. Yeah, because you usually think they might if they're over racing a bit like that in the run, you think maybe they'll peak on their run a bit during you know in straight and then just yeah. you know fall in a hole. But it's gone super. I really like the run of Vegas night. I think given the pace, it, it sat on speed and it looked like it was suited, but. To me, I don't think it was from where the you know uh, first and third came from. I thought it was a super run to hold second. Um, it's probably it's probably I don't know if it's going to carry on anymore. It's a great Flemington horse from memory. 
Um, but it'll probably get, you could imagine it'll be spelled now. Um, it's had quite a bit, but I wouldn't mind, you know, if, if it popped up at big odds, dropping back to 1600 or something next start, I'd probably follow that. But, um, what did you, what did you make of, uh, the, the second start import fifth position? I was just going to ask you that. All right. I'm going to say shit because I don't know if it's like how much we had on, uh, Luna Flair and how much it like influenced the like success of the day, but I was petrified in run of fifth position, and I thought, "Fuck me, this horse is like right in the slot." This is where most of the winners were all day. There was one other horse which swooped early in the day. Um, fuck, sorry, Snickerdoodle Dandy came like yep. the same sort of run, but it, it it just got around them. Other than that, you didn't want to be as far back as Luna Flair was. Uh, and I thought fifth position was in a really good spot. That's with D-Lane steering. That's, a, that's as good a rider as there is. Um, I, I, I couldn't touch it next up, but it will have that SP profile. Won't it, Curls? That, that, that definitely stands up again and again and again. But I, I just... I wanted to be on it in run. So, therefore, I'm not going to be with it next start because it wasn't good enough. I think I think more key to it is the, the fast, very fast-paced runs it's been in. It's probably going to reach... Yeah, it's at two anyway. Yeah, so it's probably going to get to that that real peak fitness. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's solid again in the market just because of that. Yep. Um, obviously, it depends what race. You know, can't back, back these things blind. It'd be interesting to see what race they try to go for. Um, maybe something at Flemington again. Seems like a big track horse. Uh, Showed some tactical at... speed though there. So yeah. I, I, I wouldn't mind it at like Caulfield. You see some of these staying races at Caulfield. Yeah, yeah, if you're not in the first four horses, you mm. cannot win. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The way yeah, the race it's... shape is relentlessly at the moment, like the Yonkers races. Yeah, it's not. I wouldn't mind saying that. Like, go, if it went to a different track, I'd be keener because I think it's got an edge versus some of these stayers with its tactical speed. And the other horse of fascination is uh, XL Man. And like, she is very, very, very good. Great ride. He is fucking awful at Flemington. I don't know why. But he can't train winners at Flemington. The market hated it. She gave it a great ride, and it went shit out. I, I, I'd be the reverse here. This horse goes to Mooney Valley or Caulfield or wherever, and you can get a big, like a big price because it was so bad here. I'll be betting. Yeah, we did allude to that on the preview, didn't we? That uh, that might well be the case of the market there. Yeah, it's a big, it's a big factor yeah. in why we bet so heavily. Like why we focus on this race is the bet of yeah. like the bigger bet of the day was that the market was. It was taking up such a big percentage of the market, and yeah. I was convinced it would double in price. Yeah. What else should we talk about? Is that enough? Questions. Yeah, yeah got, question got, time. Great. few emails. Got back to a bunch of them. This is my favourite one, though. So this is from Lachlan. Lachlan gets a month worth of whatever product he wants. Surprisingly, or not, he's going to go for the platinum pack. So, <laughs> tight little fucker. Uh, anyway. Uh, boys, I'm a tradie or almost still an apprentice with a serious passion for horse racing and gambling. Love the show. Blah, 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 blah. Two questions. Number one, can you explain why your staking is so random? Brackets to me. You have 0.8, 1.5, 1.3. Um, it's evolved over the last year. Why is that? Can you explain? So... Who wants to go first there? It's a good question. Well, whoever built the calculator out of used to can answer it. That's Peter. 
I actually round mine up to the nearest point two five, but that's because I like to keep things neat and tidy. And sick. And yeah, see, so I, I suffer from more head noise than Peter, so yeah. I try not to touch it. I just do what it tells me. Yeah. But anyway, so what, what what Peter's saying is we have a calculator, basically that that we're, we're betting to win X off our assessed price, regardless of the price available. But we'll only be betting if the price available is above our assessed price. Yeah. But if you're not rating your own prices, that's obviously impossible you to do. do that. So uh, there's. The safer alternatives, uh, I mean, look, to be honest, level staking isn't the worst if you're starting out. Like if you just want to find out what works and what doesn't work, you can do a lot worse than level staking something. Otherwise, proportionally betting. So betting to win X amount uh, based off the market, that's okay as well. But I guess the issue with that is you'll often, you know, if something's already gone off, it's four into three or something like that, you're not necessarily going to get the, the value or you won't know when to bet. Um, whereas when you've got a rated price, it basically tells you, yep, this is an overlay. We can just launch into it now. Don't have to wait. Yep. The, the one other thing that I do is if there was... Um, so that current that current race is a good example. We bet into that and I halved the bet. So it tells me to have... I can't remember what I had to say. It tells me to have two units. The calculator, I have one unit because of things like current in that race that I didn't like and wasn't sure about. So it's just a way of like managing my confidence level, I guess. Yeah, I think that's important to have as well as you get more used to, to wagering uh, which races you bet into and which races you don't bet into because quite often you always have something as an overlay but that doesn't necessarily mean you should always bet. Yeah. Josh, curls, anything to add? Um, I can recommend... Um, <laughs> Stay being a fucking tradie. He hasn't asked um, that question yet. I just yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Nostradamus. <laughs> no, um, I suggest that you immerse yourself in any reading materials about why, about staking, because like you can find as many winners as anyone, but if you don't bet them, if you don't understand how to bet, you can't win long term. Yeah, that's that's so. Uh, I was just quickly googling while I wasn't listening um, the name of the last the, the last book I read, which is a couple of years ago now, and I, I cannot think of it for the life of me what it was called. But it basically was about all different to- uh, wagering types and staking types that you see, you know, um, you know, like Kelly Criterion, understanding how Kelly Criterion works, understanding what Martingale is, um, <laughs> which is not recommended. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and understanding the, the value propositions and, and how much to bet on that overlay is um, even if you don't put it into practice, understanding it is is as good a step as you could possibly take. But what's key though, like is you're never going to, in my opinion. I don't have, I don't feel like I understand it or know what to do. It's just this is what I'm doing at the moment, and and I understand. Yeah, I'm talking. You never ever stop. Well, I've never ever stopped like learning and tinkering and. Well, that's a huge part of what we do like within the group, the team at the Mailbag, is we're always chatting and like, Roden's got a stack of ideas about staking, which will challenge the way we're all thinking and then we might change. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, because then you'll often hear us say things like double press pistol in the last, <laughs> which is Genuine. Like, completely fucking ridiculous. Yeah, because we um, all... When, we're all, when we're you all read it like a text, you're looking at text. We're all victims at heart. That's where we started from. 
We've got that so little what, to scratch, and that's how I scratch it. So what my point is, is about the fundamentals of what staking and wagering looks like and, and understanding the mathematics of it is one thing. Application and adjusting your application of that knowledge then into your own betting is the next step. And that never, there's never, I don't think, there's a possibility you'll never find the uh, like a finite position on that because it's forever evolving. Yeah, but provided you're evolving, you just keep getting a little bit better. Yeah. Josh, anything to add? I think if you if you if you don't price up races at the moment, I think like Peter's, I'm with Peter as well. Flat staking or proportional is great. Proportional, always really good in my mind. If you if you make what Jack was saying a little bit and have a confidence level on a certain runner. So if you've got a runner on Saturday, you like current and said, hey, if I'm out of an end race, you know, I'm pretty confident. These, the other things in the market in that race were I possibly couldn't have them, or if it's a system that you're getting, you know, good good form race, then and you say that's a level three, and you have you know a thousand dollars on bet to win a thousand dollars on that, and then if it was a level two, you have seven hundred bet to win seven hundred and fifty, bet to win five hundred for a low confidence level race because you just want to get something out of it. That's sort of how I would go about these things if you didn't have pricing, but I have the I have the pricing as well. I have a price. I do the same as Jack and Pete. We bet to win X amount on your price. And in the long term, it should, you know, if your pricing is efficient and um, key is like betting in betting at the right point in the market too. So knowing that you you beat the market from 9am, if you're not beating the market, then, you know, probably just play on Betfair late if you want. Um, I, think, I think there's always like, there's always like edges in the market late on Betfair. Um, you just got to know what's, you know, what's a what's a really bad move in terms of drifts and things like that after 9am. Um, but yeah, and and like Curls was saying, there's there's plenty of content out there. There's a book that I read uh, called Fortune's Formula, which is um, about yeah the Kelly Criterion um, and the mathematics behind it, um, which is a pretty good read. And there's there's more content out there. Um, I can give some tips if you want on Twitter if. Yeah, but uh, also, yeah, I think just just keep asking questions because this guy's a tradie, so he's like me, you're not going to be reading that book. Um, but if you are more intelligent, like Curly and Josh, then read the books if you're still watching. <laughs> but <laughs> I just don't reckon this guy's a reader by... From, from your experience. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a great answer, though, Josh. It's like, I couldn't agree with you anymore. Spot on. Um, yeah. Was there a part two to the question from Lockie? Yeah, sorry, I've changed the page. Yeah. Um, what would you guys do if in my position as your first step out of a trade and into punting full-time, which Curly's already... Curly, you start. Um, all right, so apart from gamble responsibly, don't do it, what are all those sort of things. Um, so to answer the question seriously... Um, I think one of the things you need, to, one of the things that you need to do is work out rough in your head for your own benefit how much do you need to win a week, what bank size are you taking with you to bet for a living, and if you are going to bet for a living and you are going to and you need, and you're going to run off a bank, you're going to need to understand staking because you'll blow it up and be back on the tools very quickly. Yeah. So if you're bet if you're winning. Right on the punt at 10% profit on turnover consistently 
for a 12 month period for a sale or a lifetime. If you just do some basic, some basic maths, right? You're winning at 10% profit on turnover and you need to make a thousand dollars a week off the punt. You need to be betting $10,000 a week. Yeah, so that can be. So, so if you're betting ten thousand dollars a week, um, fuck, I haven't got the math in front of me, but it would depend on your winning strike rate, which your long-term winning strike rate, which would help determine what your bank betting bank would be. So, you know, if you're, if you, you need to understand your average, you need to take some notes over the next six to twelve months, like record every bet. Yeah, for, I, work out I'd your winning th- average price. And you shouldn't. You should probably. Uh, you guys might want to touch on it. What What do you like when you bet proportionally? How much do you bet to win of your bank size as well? Which is another key point probably that you should yeah, take. Is, is you we don't want to be betting more than you know. Sometimes I say it's like five around about five percent sort of a thing. Yeah, I I betting betting to win. So so you're not betting you're not betting five percent of your bank. You're betting to win no. that amount. So it's always Correct. probably less. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's a, probably another key point because that says, you know, you're betting to win 5%. There could be, you know, you might have to go through 30, 30 outs, 30 to 40 outs in a row, and then your bank right. will be deteriorated. But then you should also be changing your bank as you go up or go down. So then you technically, the mass of it, you would never, ever hit that point where the bank turns zero, hypothetically. But that's if you not do, sometimes. Who gives a fuck? Like, yeah, but that's how, that's how you learn. That's how you from, learn. From what, well. I'm, from what I'm reading, Lachlan. I'm assuming you're about, you're just almost out of your trade. So you, you could be like 19, 21. You got, probably haven't got a mortgage. You might not even be paying rent. You, you hopefully you don't have kids yet. Uh, like, have no fear. Yeah, I wouldn't leave your job. Go, I'm going to take off. You, you, you're almost a tradie, so you, you're qualified and you're a little bit cheaper than the, than the actual trade. So you pick up work on Saturdays like that. I'd take off a Wednesday or a Tuesday and focus on Perth or one one joint and just slowly chip away at that. I'd get a punting form subscription and start to focus on a small pool of horses, a small pool of trainers, a small pool of jockeys. And you'll never figure out, especially the last two, jockeys and trainers, that you just get a better understanding of what they're trying to do. And you don't need to win because you're still working on the tools and you have no actual real fucking commitments to pay in your life, which one day you will. So if you, if you're daunted by trying to take on this lifestyle challenge at 21, you're never going to do it at 31 when you've got a mortgage and two kids. So go for it. Don't worry about what you win though. Just if you, if you buy up a bank, you the amount of shit you're going to learn by doing that is so, so valuable. But the, the cost of that's going to be so big when you're 30 versus when you're 20. Yeah, but also at the same time, know what you're going to do if and when you blow up the bank because at some point you're probably going to blow up the bank. Yeah, I just meant, what I'm trying to say is like the bank could be a $1,000 and you're just going to bet it properly though. So you're going to try and win 10% of $1,000. Like you don't have to wait till your bank's 30000 to to, yeah, to yeah. win enough to pay the, the, the shit Like because yeah. you're in a good position in your life where if you just if you just put, put $5,000... Two thousand into a Betfair account, spread two thousand over some plastic accounts, and you can just bet with discipline. And then, if you wanted to get turnover up, I'd, I'd be buying stuff like Pete's. Although that's where you should probably start betting, though, is actually in Perth. Someone who like bets consistently, wins consistently, 
It's just, it's just outside him and for you. That's how I use it. That makes sense. Probably not. I tried. Hopefully it does lock on. Anything to add, Peter? Uh, Josh? Not, not really. Not really. You have to treat it like a profession, though. You've got to put the time in. You, you can't just sort of say, oh, I'm just going to put in, like, you know, a couple of hours skimming through the form a week and expect to do better than the big syndicates that have an army of people watching replays and crunching numbers and <laughs> monitoring markets. Yeah, but, but if you're consistent, would you focus somewhere that's small? Yeah, hundred percent. I would say, you know, as you said, like South Australia, WA, that would be the two. Tasmania. Yeah. yeah. And Tas Tasmania actually has a lot of night racing. Yeah. Which again would be good, so that you you're not like completely dependent on this as an income. Well, the the amount of head noirs that comes from like needing to win versus just like perfecting the art. I certainly enjoy the game a lot more on Monday and Tuesday when I'm reviewing, talking to Curly, Pete and Josh and Roden than like on a Saturday when I need to, to deliver. Yeah. But it's all about consistency at the end of the day. Whatever you do, just be consistent. Keep chipping away. Keep notes, notes. if you have to. Yeah. 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 Have some form of note keeping. The best place to keep notes is on punning form. A hundred percent. The cheapest place to, to keep horse racing notes by a mile. Yeah. Uh, boys, week ahead. That'll do us for the questions. But Lachlan gets whatever he wants. The best question each week will get whatever they want for a month. Yeah. What are you doing this week, Peter? Where are you betting, bro? I've got Northern today for WA Day. And then I'm assuming we're back Form at... Formerly known as? Foundation Day. Early in Perth. Uh, but yeah, then I assume it's just Belmont for the rest of the week. Curls? Midweek racing heads to the Sunshine Coast on Wednesday. Uh, then we have a um, standalone extravaganza at Dolby on Friday Ooh. featuring the fast class bottle mart sellers benchmark 65 over 1788. And then we go to um... sixteen meetings on a Saturday. <laughs> yeah, I'm headlined by the Stradbroke handicap, um, which, like we did Saturday, just gone. We'll probably avoid all those big group races and just just profit a few units out wide. Something with that. Wonderful. Uh, we've got Ballarat Synthetic. We've had a bet there today. Um, this will be probably not out by the time it's run. Although it's in the last. Um, sale Wednesday, which looks okay. Uh, Swan Hill Carnival this week, which will be interesting. Um, but yeah, don't, it's not going to be a huge week of turnover, but it's going to be solid enough. So yeah, we're betting today. Definitely bet Wednesday. Got a Ballarat Turf meeting Thursday. Swan Hill Carnival and Ladbrokes Park. Sandown, Royal Sandown. Saturday standalone with a bit of Donald. 